0: Hey, everybody. Hey, Christmas time gets me feeling nostalgic and it gets me thinking about this amazing job that I had when I was a teenager at a Christmas tree farm. So some of my friends worked at like places like fast food restaurants or they worked in a grocery store, you know, normal teenage jobs. But a few of my friends and I, we got this job at Danikin's Christmas tree farm. It was so much fun. Check this out. I still have the hat that I had to wear to work back then. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So, (laughs) hey, it was a great job. It was a seasonal job. I had it for like five years. I loved it because everybody that you interact with at the Christmas tree farm, they're in a good mood. They're all, you know, jolly. You know, everybody's like excited. There's hot chocolate in the barn all the time. I could walk around with a candy cane hanging out of my mouth. You know, some days I would spend my days out in the field, like helping families cut down the perfect tree when they found the perfect tree and often so this was the days before selfies were a thing and so you know what they would do these families would hand me one of those disposable cameras do you remember those yeah so they'd hand me one of those like take a picture of us with our tree that was a fun part of the job but then there were other days where I would spend my whole day at the barn and I'd be on the shaker machine Shaking the dead needles out of the trees, you know? You know what I'm talking about? It was kind of felt like I was on one of those 1950s weight loss shaker belt machines, you know? Yeah, that's what my day was like. <laughs> Hey, everything at the farm smelled amazing. It smelled like Christmas. I had so much sap underneath my fingernails and behind my ears. I was like a walking pine tree air freshener yeah. <laughs> i haven 't worked at that farm in twenty years, and this hat it still smells good, it still smells like Christmas. <laughs> Hey, that job, it reminds me of uh, these two guys who were looking for the perfect Christmas tree. So they went out into the forest. They're walking around trying to find the perfect Christmas tree. Can't find anything. They're walking for like three hours. Finally, they're exhausted, and one of the guys says to the other one, he's like, Yeah, let's just do this one over here, even though it doesn't have any decorations. <laughs> Hey, that job at the Christmas tree farm ended up defining a part of my life, and that's this, that I am and always will be a real Christmas tree person, and I'm kind of snobby about it too, okay? Uh, (laughs) Real quick, I know what some of you are thinking. I know. Right now you're saying, hey, Beardo, a few weeks ago, (laughs) a few weeks ago you were up here and you were telling us how important it is to care for the environment and cutting down trees. Well, that doesn't sound like a very responsible thing to do. I hear you. Let me tell you about another part of that job that it's not quite as glamorous as standing at the shaker machine all day. But for about a week or two in the summer every year, we would be out in the fields planting new trees, spreading manure, cultivating the land. And I tell you what, I didn't smell very good at the end of those days. (laughs) So we have a tree that represents Christmas, It represents the birth of Christ, and today we want to continue to turn our attention to the forest, the forest that is the story of God's redemptive work that's been going on since the beginning, and it just so happens that there's a lot of trees in this story. Maybe you feel like reading the Bible, this book, it's kind of like wandering in the forest, And maybe you feel like you read this book, you don't really know which way to go, where the tree that you just passed, it kind of looks like the one that you saw before, and you wonder if you're just going in circles. Well, the forest, the story, it's about the restoration and the redemption of all things, of all things. It's about God's love for all of his creation, and that includes you. That includes you. You are part of the story. So today, we're going to pause at this one spot in the forest, and we're going to look at one story. It's the story of an encounter one person had with Jesus, and the way that it led to their life being radically changed. The story we look at today, it's about a man who had a job that defined him. You know, just like that job I had at the Christmas tree farm defined a part of my life, the job I have right now defines a lot of who I am. Maybe your job is a defining feature of your life. So this guy had a job that defined him. Our jobs can be a place where we find and develop identity. And there's an old Sunday school song that goes with this story, so maybe you know this song, maybe you don't. It doesn't matter because I'm going to sing it for you anyway, okay? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. Yeah, it's a cool song. Hey, oh yeah, yeah. Hey, we should actually clap right now for the people that were doing the hand motions. I saw some of you out there doing the hand motions of that song. Good job. Hey, that's so cool. (laughs) Hey, Zacchaeus, uh, you may be hearing that song right now for the first time. If that's the first time you've heard that song, you might be thinking, why in the world would you call someone a wee little man? I mean, that's weird, and it's kind of offensive. And if that's not bad enough, with the next breath, you say it again in a different way, and a wee little man was he. Like, you're really driving the point home. But today, Zacchaeus is our guy, and we're going to look at his story today. Now, we don't want to make too big of a deal about the fact that Zacchaeus was short. But it's an important part of the story. It's an important part of the story. It's in the Bible. It's a trustworthy source, so it's not a tall tale. You know, it's only ten... (laughs) It's only ten verses long, so you might say it's a short story, right? It's easy to understand. It's not going to go over anybody's head. I don't know. Did you think that one was a little too far of a reach? Uh, Hey, but this actually is an important part of the story. Uh, Zacchaeus saw Jesus. Zacchaeus saw Jesus. Hey, we can find this story in, in Luke chapter 19, Let's go there together. It starts like this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. The New Testament was written in the context of the Roman Empire. The empire was so vast that it was controlled by a combination of imperial and local government. Tax collectors were many times local people who were hired by the Romans. Most people in Palestine, where this story takes place, they were Jewish, and they would have had a deep mistrust of the empire. They were regarded as invaders. You can imagine that many would do whatever it takes to avoid an interaction with a Roman official. But here, here we have Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is working for the oppressive government. He's a Jewish man working for the enemy. Tax collectors were often given a lot of freedom in the way they, they collected money and the methods they were allowed to use. They would have been required to collect and submit a certain quota that would be turned into the regional governor, but on top of a salary, they were often permitted to keep whatever extra money that they could squeeze out of people. You think that made Zacchaeus a very popular guy around Jericho? No, right? No, nobody liked him. I mean, he was in cahoots with the enemy. He was a traitor. He was the ultimate sellout. And he must have been pretty good at it too because it says he was rich and it says that he was given supervision over other tax collectors as the chief tax collector so he was able to line his pockets a little more as he collected skim some money off the top of the earnings of the other tax collectors his life was 100 percent about the pursuit of money maybe he was cruel or maybe he was just clever but you know there was probably a place in his heart that was lonely when people saw Zacchaeus coming they probably got out of the way They probably would hide their kids. I mean, they would do everything they could to not make eye contact with the tax collector because at any moment he could demand a tax. So he didn't get invited to many parties. He probably had the nicest house in town. All the finest things that the world has to offer, but not many friends to enjoy those things with. And in many ways he was disowned by the Jewish community. You know who he sounds like a little bit? This story, it kind of sounds like this guy, the Grinch, the Grinch who stole Christmas. Or he kind of sounds like Ebenezer Scrooge a little bit too. And maybe now you're making a connection. You're like, oh, that's why we're talking about Zacchaeus at Christmas time, right? So, hey, Zacchaeus had a heart problem. And it wasn't the kind of heart problem like he was going to have a heart attack at any moment. But there was just something not right in his life, and he knew it. Maybe he felt isolated or mistreated his whole life because of his size. Maybe he came from a family that barely made ends meet, and so he was driven by the pursuit of wealth. Or maybe there was a deep loss in his life that he could just never get over, and he was just trying to numb the pain. You know, the name Zacchaeus, it means righteous or pure. And I'm sure that he was well aware that he was not living up to his name. How about you? How about you? Do you feel like you can relate to Zacchaeus at all? Do you feel like maybe you don't fit in because of the way that you look? Or do you feel like sometimes you don't measure up to the expectations of your name or your family? Do you ever feel lonely? Like you don't have any friends. You know those feelings of loneliness? They can be so deep this time of year. And I want to do this today. Before we go any further in this story, I want to stop right now and just tell you, you are not alone. You are not alone. Hey, look at somebody next to you right now. Turn to somebody and say that. Say, you are not alone. Yeah, everybody needs to hear this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know somebody needed to hear that today, and there's days when I need to hear that. You know, if you're short or tall, no matter what color your skin is, where you're from, the church, the church, we are the body of Christ, and you are not alone. We are in this together, and since we're the body of Christ, you know this, that Jesus, Jesus is here, and he's with us. Amen. One of Jesus' first followers was a guy named Matthew. And like Zacchaeus, Matthew was a tax collector. And Matthew ends up writing the first book of the New Testament. And he recalls in that account how Jesus came to the spot where he was sitting in his tax collector's booth. And Jesus said, Come on, follow me. And Matthew did. He got up, and he followed Jesus, and then Jesus goes to Matthew's house, and he shares a meal with Matthew. I wonder if Zacchaeus had heard about Matthew, the tax collector, who was friends with Jesus. There's this commotion going on in Jericho because Jesus, the controversial figure, is coming through town, and I wonder when Zacchaeus heard this, if his heart just skipped a beat, and he was so excited. He's like, I wonder if Jesus could be friends with somebody like me. I wonder if Jesus would notice me. The Jewish establishment was plotting against Jesus at this time. Really, this story takes place just a week, a little more than a week, before the trial and crucifixion of Jesus. People crowd the streets trying to get a glimpse of this guy who was healing people, who was hanging out with sinners and tax collectors, who was talking about this kingdom of God. Something was going on in the heart of Zacchaeus. Maybe he was convicted of his greed. Maybe he was just so broken that he knew that he needed something in his life life he needed to see Jesus, and I don't know where you're at today, but maybe you've heard about Jesus and how he cares for people that nobody else cares for, and maybe you're wondering right now, could he care about me? Could Jesus care about me? Let's pick pick back up in the story. It goes on to say, He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So we ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Culturally, this would have been a disgraceful act for Zacchaeus. I mean, running and climbing trees were things that only children did recreationally. An important person, and certainly a Roman employee, would never run in public and climbing trees. Well, the only adults that climbed trees were laborers harvesting fruit. Often they were slaves. But there was something important about seeing Jesus. It was so important that the rich tax collector would set aside his pride and he would run through the streets to get to a place where he could climb a tree so he could see. And you can bet on this, that if there were any short jokes to be made, the people in Jericho were pointing and laughing as the rich tax collector ran and then climbed to get to a place where he could see. You know, Zacchaeus took some important steps that day. Steps that we all need to take. He set aside his pride. He set aside his pride. He got to a place where he could see Jesus. And you know, no matter who you are or where you're from, whether this is your first time in church or you've never missed a week, pride can keep you from seeing Jesus. Pride can keep you from experiencing all the best things in life. Pride can keep you from loving and being loved by another person. Pride can keep you from having real joy. Pride keeps you so focused on yourself that you may never notice when Jesus is passing by. Zacchaeus took some important steps that day. He had to climb. Zacchaeus had to climb to get to a place where he could see Jesus. And you know, it wasn't just because he couldn't see over the crowd because of his size, but he couldn't see Jesus because there were things in his life that were blocking him from seeing Jesus, and he had to set some things aside. He had to climb. He had to climb over some of those obstacles in his life, some of the things in his heart, and so do you so do you. We all have to climb to get to a place where we can see Jesus. We've got to climb to get to a place where we can see Jesus. Maybe you need to set aside your pride, yeah? Maybe you need to stop thinking about yourself all the time, or stop worrying about what other people are going to say. You need to get to a place where you can see Jesus, or hey, maybe it's your bank account. Maybe you need to stop thinking about your money all the time. Hey, all that money you have, it's actually not yours. It's God's. And he's just letting you manage it. Or maybe for you, getting to a place where you can see Jesus, it looks like this. It's setting aside that video game controller. Set it down. Or maybe it's this. Maybe it's not being controlled by the likes and comments on your social media page. You know, on that picture that you have on there, the one that's really flattering, that makes you look better than you actually do. You know the one? Yeah. Hey, or are there things like anger? or resentment, or jealousy. And they're blinding you. They're keeping you from seeing Jesus. you got to climb. Or is it an affair or pornography that holds your attention and steals your focus, leaving no room for anything else? you got to climb. you got to climb to get to a place where you can see Jesus. You know, the people on the streets in Jericho that day, everybody wanted to see Jesus. Everybody wanted to see Jesus. And I'm sure that some of those people were thinking things like, I do all the right things. I'm a good person. I mean, I go to church every week. I'll tell you this, that being good doesn't necessarily get you close to Jesus. But being close to Jesus produces goodness in you. And hey, we all have junk in our lives. It's called sin. And for some of us that junk, it's just more socially acceptable than others. We can be so focused on doing the right things. We can be so focused on being good that we miss the forest for the tree. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Hey, you took a step by being here today. You took a step by being here today. And for some, that's a bold step. Some people have said things before like, man, if I ever set foot inside a church, it'll burn down, right? And if you've said that before, I want you to know you are in the right place today. You're in the right place. You know the time when I've seen Jesus most clearly in my life? It wasn't in a church service, though. I mean, being here is an important step, but it wasn't in a church service. It wasn't in seminary, but it was sitting on a plastic chair in an orphanage in Uganda holding babies who had been abandoned or orphaned, and they were desperate for attention, desperate for affection. And it was while I was sitting there with a baby in one arm and a bottle in my other hand that I realized this is a spot Where Jesus would be. And he was there. I've never been more sure of anything in my life. Getting to a place where you can see Jesus. Means that you're aware of where Jesus is. You're aware of where Jesus is. So here's what happens next in the story. It goes on to say. When Jesus reached the spot. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. And hey, there's some words that we use at Christmas time that we don't use very often the rest of the year. One of those words is Emmanuel. We use that this time of year. And it's a name for Jesus, and it means God is with us and you know, that's what the Christmas story is all about. But it's also what Zacchaeus's story is all about, too. Jesus coming to be with sinners, to be with a tax collector who was despised by his community, despised by his culture. He was lonely and he was seeking. Scripture is full of great promises for us that for promises for us that when we look for the Lord, that we will find him. In Matthew seven, it says this: seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. In Proverbs it says, I love the those who love me and those who seek me will find me. Jesus came to the spot where Zacchaeus was and he called him by name. And he said, come down, I'm going to your house. And Jesus said about himself, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Jesus, the good shepherd knows your name. And if you ever feel like you're unimportant, If you ever feel like no one knows who you are or even cares if you exist, know this, that Jesus knows your name. Jesus knows your name. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what kind of pain you are in, Jesus knows your name. If you or someone you love has cancer and you're scared, Jesus knows your name. Or maybe you lost your job. And the idea of celebrating at Christmas, it just seems daunting. You don't know what you're going to do. Jesus knows your name. Have you ever tried to find the exact spot where something important happened? So we live in a part of the country where uh, there's a lot of national history. And there's monuments and memorials all over that say this is the spot where something important happened. So last year, uh, my sister came out to visit with her family. And uh, my niece, her daughter, Reagan, is really into Abraham Lincoln. So we went to Gettysburg for the day. And we had a great time, all of our families together. We did the, uh, all the activities in the visitor center. We drove around, did the driving tour around the battlefields, and we learned a lot. We had a lot of fun. We got out and played on some rocks. It was a great day. But you know, the part that was the most anticipated part of the day was this. It was trying to find the spot, you know, the spot where Abraham Lincoln gave the Gettysburg Address. So we were looking forward to that all day. Now, it wasn't the easiest task. We were trying to walk through a cemetery respectfully with six cousins all under the age of 10 who only see each other a few times a year and they can't contain themselves. And it turns out it's a pretty hard thing to do to find the exact spot because there's some debate about where that spot is. I mean, some people say it happened over here. And other people say, no, it actually happened over here. And there's only like a couple blurry photographs and just tales of where it happened. So we uh, spent our whole day doing this. It was like detective work. We had maps out on our phones and we were walking around trying to settle once and for all where that spot was. Hey, listen, Jesus went to the spot where Zacchaeus was, and he knew exactly where he was going. He may have just been passing through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, but he knew that he had a meeting that day with Zacchaeus at the spot At the spot, it may have seemed like it was just an ordinary sycamore tree, but I tell you what, man, that became a holy place. And then Jesus, Emmanuel, goes to his house. It was scandalous. It was scandalous. People were upset. The church people, the rule followers, they were all talking. I mean, they're saying things like, can he do that? Did he just do that? He's going to that guy's house? I mean, the Pharisees in Jericho, I mean, they were making a list and checking it twice. They were going to find out who was naughty and nice. And that dude, Zacchaeus, he was naughty, right? You know, maybe you're like me. Because more often than I want to admit, I can sound just like that crowd. And I can sound just like those Pharisees, passing judgment like it's mine to dish out. And I know that I need to repent of that. And maybe you know what it feels like to have people mutter and whisper behind your back about everything that you do. And if you know what that feels like, you're in good company. Because people did that to Jesus all the time. All the time. Do you ever wonder what it would be like if Jesus came to your house? We sang those words earlier in that great song, Joy to the World. Let every heart prepare Him room. Is there room for Jesus in your heart? Is there room for Jesus in your house? I mean, what do you need to do to prepare room in your heart and in your house for Jesus? Maybe the first thing you need to do is just quit worrying about what everybody's going to say. I mean, quit worrying about those things that people are whispering behind your back if Jesus is coming to your house. Guess what? Everywhere that Jesus ever went was full of sinners. Mary and Martha's house, sinners. The Last Supper, a bunch of sinners. Zacchaeus' house, sinners. My house, your house, this church, whole bunch of sinners. It's true. And we need Jesus to come and stay. You know, that day as Jesus walked through the streets of Jericho, he could have looked at any person on those streets. He could have pointed at any person and called them by name and said, I'm going to your house. And their lives would have changed because they needed a Savior, no matter how righteous they appeared to be, no matter how much it looked like they had everything all together. Everyone needs a touch from a Savior. Everyone needs the forgiveness that only Jesus can offer. Everyone needs the presence of Jesus in their lives. The story skips ahead to the scene inside Zacchaeus' house, and it says this, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to, said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here now. I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay it back four times the amount. Talk about a life that is totally changed because of Jesus. Zacchaeus had built his whole life around money. It's all that he wanted. He found honest and dishonest ways to build his wealth. The way he accumulated money abused people. It, it uh, exploited the under-resourced. It took advantage of loopholes in the system. And as a Jewish man, Zacchaeus would have known this Old Testament scripture from the book of Ecclesiastes where it says, Whoever loves money never has enough. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. And Zacchaeus was living his life trying unsuccessfully to prove that that verse was wrong. And he wasn't satisfied. You know, a lot of us are just chasing wealth. We're chasing after money. And it leaves us unsatisfied. But now, here's Zacchaeus. Here he is, recognized and called by name, and he's transformed. His life up to that point had been all about himself. It had been more for me, more for me, and now his heart changes, and immediately he gives half of everything he has to meet the needs in his community, and he just can't leave things the way they are with the people that he's cheated. So he says, I'll give back 400% of what I've taken dishonestly. Nobody told him to do that. Jesus didn't tell him to do that, but all of a sudden, he had a heart for Jesus, and that means that he starts caring about the things that Jesus cares about. That means he starts caring about people instead of his pocketbook. His transformation moves him to a place of radical generosity, and I'm sure when he popped up and said, I'm giving all this money away, that made a lot of people uncomfortable, right? It made a lot of people uncomfortable. In the book of Matthew, Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I challenge you today. Follow the lead of Zacchaeus and put your heart and your treasure in God's hands. Put it in God's hands. Store up treasures in heaven. And hey, listen to what happens next in the story. It's a great assurance for all of us. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And hey, that name Jesus, it means Savior. means Savior. And when Jesus says salvation comes to this house, He means I come to this house. I come to this house and I bring with me all my fullness and the salvation that only I can give. I, I need Jesus to come to my house like that. I need Jesus to come to my house he says, I'm here because this man is a son of Abraham. It had probably been a long time since this man, Zacchaeus, had been recognized by another Jew as a son of Abraham, one of their own a member of the community. Remember, that community looked at him as a traitor, but now he's welcomed back into the family, restored to his heritage, and he finds that his identity is not in the achievements of his life. It's not in all the money that he has. It's not in anything he's done. It's not in the way that he's betrayed his people. It's not in the way that his job had driven him, the way this job defined him. His identity now is that he is a son, a son of Abraham. And listen to this, a child of God, a child of God. The gospel of John says this at the beginning of the book. It says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John goes on later to recall some words of Jesus, and this verse has meant a lot in my life. It says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Jesus chose me and you and Zacchaeus and appointed us to be agents of reconciliation in the world, to bear fruit. Zacchaeus found, Zacchaeus found that his identity had been restored and from that point on, he wasn't referred to as the rich tax collector anymore. You know what he was referred to as? As a child of God, as a brother, as a friend. And now I'm sure that his buddies made short jokes with him from time to time, but now they weren't jokes that were told behind his back, but they were, they were terms of endearment. They were terms of affection. Those guys loved their brother. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Hey, the Christmas story, it's all about Jesus coming to earth. And Zacchaeus, his story, it's all about Jesus coming to be with him. Zacchaeus found in those moments that he was living into to that true meaning of his name. Righteous and pure. Righteous and pure. And listen to me. I hope you can live up to and into that name that you have. You know what that name is? It's Child of God. Child of God. The story shows us that salvation, it's for everybody. It's not just for the people who appear to deserve it. Don't miss the forest for the tree. We love to say around here that God, God can't sleep at night because he's thinking about you he's thinking about you. And at the end of the story, Jesus says, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. You know, Zacchaeus had been looking for Jesus for a long time, but Jesus had been looking for Zacchaeus long before that day, long before that day. God sends Jesus as Emmanuel to be with us, to be with us because he loves us so much. And maybe you've wandered off. Maybe you've made decisions and it seems like you've cut off any access you had to God. Hear me, God knows you and he sees you and he knows your name. Jesus often taught by telling stories. One of his stories was about a shepherd. And remember, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd who knows his sheep. But Jesus tells this story about a shepherd who has 100 sheep and one of those sheep wanders off and it's, it's lost You know, I've been that one sheep before. Zacchaeus was that one sheep. So that sheep wanders off and it's lost. And the shepherd leaves the other 99 sheep out on the hillside and goes to find that one sheep. And when he does, he brings it home. It's reconciled. It's restored. And then the shepherd throws a party. The shepherd throws a party. Jesus makes this connection and says, there's going to be a party in heaven when one sinner repents, when the lost are found. When Jesus was born, there was a party. There was a party. The angels appeared in the skies to some shepherds who were watching their sheep out on a hillside. And they said, glory to God in the highest. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. And you know what those shepherds did? They left their sheep out on the hillside, and they went to a place where they could see Jesus. They went to the spot. Jesus came to earth as a baby. He came to the spot in Bethlehem. And then Jesus goes to the spot where Zacchaeus is in that sycamore tree. And today, guess what? Jesus comes to the spot where you are. Emmanuel, God with us, comes to the spot, to the spot where you are. And heaven longs to party when you prepare room in your heart and in your home for Jesus, when you trust him as Savior and Lord. For the Son of Man came to seek and save Kirk and Zacchaeus and you and everybody. And he wants to come to your house today. Let's pray together. God, we are grateful that when we are lost, you came looking for us. And God, all the places in our heart that are filled with pain, the places that are hurting, God, you reach in there and you are with us. You are with us. God, thank you for being Emmanuel through Jesus here with us, for coming to the spot where we are. And God, help us all to prepare room in our hearts for Jesus. God, help me to see Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.